Good morning. Today we're going to be uh, starting a, I, actually we don't really have any series for the next few weeks, and so the Lord has just kind of led me to kind of help you with some real life uh, areas of your walk and how to walk through them. And today the message is called Dealing with the Unexpected. How many of you ever had to deal with things that are unexpected? All of us have, right? Uh, whether it's, um, you know, like you can expect to get a ticket. If you're speeding, that's not unexpected, right? In fact, I think some of my kids always get frustrated with me because there have been times in the past, long ways in the past, where I've been pulled over for speeding. And I don't have any tickets because I always go to that officer and say, Sir, I have absolutely a perfect record. And uh, so they go back and he says, Sure enough, the guy has a perfect record, so they let me have a pass and so anyway um they they go well dad that's not even right that's not even fair and blah 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 well I, I think it's the grace of our lord jesus amen that comes into my life well let me just tell you something there are things that are unexpected a flat tire or maybe the uh you know i've seen where scenarios where maybe the engine in your your vehicle um just for whatever reason just stops running or, or maybe uh, you have a, a moment where I know I was talking to a young man this week and his, uh, his son slugged the teacher. You know, just a young little boy and slugged the teacher and he taught him better than that. You know, maybe, that, you know, maybe that's the unexpected. And then, or, or maybe it's uh, something where all of a sudden the, the place in your workplace and all of a sudden they're having a, a slowdown and they're, you, know, you didn't even know that. Or maybe they're moving to a whole other uh, uh, place of geography. And the next thing you know, that you don't have a job. Or maybe it's a, a space where health issue. You know, you've been feeling some symptoms come on and stuff, and, but all of a sudden, you know, you're, it's unexpected. And the doctor gives you a, a really uh, bad diagnosis of the situation. You know, um, many times we react in a soulish way, a worldly way. But what you don't really know is that God many times will allow you to be right in the middle of that storm so that you can show who he is in that storm. That that's what Jesus would, as he walked through um, life on this earth, he walked through those storms. And we would like to avoid the storm. Sometimes what we'll do is we'll work so hard because we know the storm is already inside of us. Maybe it's the way we react to a situation, the unexpected, and maybe it's anger. And so our anger management is to avoid anything that would cause us to be angry. Or maybe it's a different situation where, you know, you suppress those situations and you, you try to get, a, uh, get away from people that are really struggling because, you know, you struggle. And God is working on you in an area to, like Richard was saying, Elder Richard was saying about giving, and God's been working on your heart about giving, and so you avoid all those people that are needy because you just don't want to deal with it because all of a sudden now the Lord is, you know, working on your heart. I know I've been there. The Lord has asked me to give something away, and, and then all of a sudden I'm just like avoiding it. In fact, I'm suppressing it to that space. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden that person, because God wants to work on your heart. And today we're going to talk about a character. And you probably don't, maybe most of you don't even know who she is. Her name is Leah. And Leah's in the, in the Bible, and, and she had so many things unexpected. I want to paint a picture. Before we go into how you're supposed to deal with the unexpected, 
I want to give you the storyline a little bit about Leah, and then we're going to, go, we're going to end with end of the story of Leah and how God worked in her heart. See, God's not really concerned about what's going on in your, in your head. He's really concerned about what's going on in your heart. And how God, and you're going to see, and maybe you didn't see it before, but we're going to read a few passages. You're going to see how God, through years, narrated her heart into a space of praise with God, even though her circumstances were very difficult. Because see, that's the way through. What you don't really know is the way through your difficulties is a praise of God. See, God already sees you on the other side. You don't. All you see is the circumstance. God sees you on the other side. He allowed you in the space to go through that storm. He's on the other end of that storm, and he wants you to praise him through it. I've had a message a long time ago, praise to raise or complain to remain. What most of us do, we start complaining about it, and we remain in the problem. Or, we, or God wants to bring a praise inside of our hearts. And so Leah is a person, I, I'm, I'm painting some of the worst picture so that maybe you can, I know you're not going to relate. I can't relate. Nobody I know can relate to this storyline, but I'm going to tell you what it will do is it'll help you never to complain about your storyline. So here's Leah. Leah is, um, in fact, she, she's described in the, in, the, in the Bible as homely. How would you like to be described that way? as homely, not much to look at. And her sister, her younger sister, is beautiful. So already we know that there's something going on. And then there's this another character who, who is, a, who is a, a, a sojourner, which means he comes from another space. He's looking for a wife. And he gets his eye on Rachel, babe. And he wants her for his wife. So he makes a deal with dad and uh, nobody's made any deals for my daughters. I don't know why. I've never got paid a dollar for it. Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, it'd be a good idea to start that tradition back up, wouldn't it? But anyway, uh, point is, is uh, what happened is, is that through this line, seven years, Jacob makes this uh, deal with, and it's, by the way, to get really in the story, it's his, his kind of his uncle, Uncle Laban. Makes this deal with Uncle Laban, and he goes, he had to work seven years for Rachel. So he works for seven years, and, and, and it says it like it was because he was so excited about it, it felt like probably seven days. So he has this party, and he gets married, kind of like the one that um, Tracy was talking about. And, but in this case, he gets so a uh, uh, little bit crazy in the sauce and crazy in the alcohol, he gets drunk, and instead of Rachel being the one he sleeps with that night, he says, it's the older sister, Leah. So Laban takes his older daughter, and, and I don't know how in the world someone could ever get that drunk, but they did. And all of a sudden, Jacob wakes up and goes, it's not Rachel, it's Leah. Now, I know all of us can think about what a ripoff that, you know, that uh, Jacob got. Have you ever thought about Leah? How would you feel if the man in your life, now that your dad gave you away to, worked for your younger sister and has eyes for your younger sister, doesn't have eyes for you at all, but has only eyes for your younger sister? You talk about, you know, the sister rivalry. I mean, this gives new, new uh, thread to that whole thought. 
We're going to get into that a little bit more, but we're going to find out not so much about the dilemma, not against the unexpected, because I can't even imagine that, that, that daughter, Leah, is waking up. I know what my dad's going to do when I grow up. My dad's going to give me away to a man that doesn't love me and that loves my sister. And then I'm going to supposed to, you know, give this man babies and grow up. And then eventually he's going to marry my younger sister, who's always getting all the attention anyway. You know, everywhere we go, she gets all the attention because she's got the look. I don't have that look. And then not only do I not get away from it once we get married, I'm stuck in it. And so that every day of my marriage, I'm in the space of comparison. She never got away from it. She grew up in it. And now she's married in it. But how does God, and this is what's so beautiful about the story of Leah, because no one can sit there, because that is some of the most unfair scenarios I could even imagine. And yet God worked in this young lady's heart, even to the point that she bore children and she gave them. And this is what I'm going to show you, and we're not going to get there, because see, we want to talk a little bit, because a lot of times what we don't really realize, in order for God to get to our heart, he's got to get through your crazy head. Because many of us don't even let God talk to our hearts because we're so closed off in our thoughts. So let's talk about the word of God and our thoughts first. Because see, it's your job to renew your thoughts. It's your job to take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to God. That's, it's not God's job. It's your job. So it's your job to say, you know what, God? I know my thoughts are crazy out here, but I'm, I'm going to trust you and allow you to work in my heart. I let go of all these thoughts. I make them captive and Jesus I'm going to totally trust that in this midst of unexpected moment that God you got my best you got my back though it may take years your story is going to unfold this chapter yeah heavy but God in the midst of this heaviness you're going to reflect your greatness now, I don't know about this, but when Leah was going through those moments, I can't even imagine the burden that was on her heart. But I can imagine her in heaven right now as we're talking about this story. And she's going, yeah, God was with me in every one of those moments. And I'm so grateful that here we are in 2021 and we can talk about how big God is and how he helped me through all those unexpected moments. Let's pray. Father, Lord, none of us are really, or actually maybe some of us are excited about surprises, but these kind of surprises, those hardships, these trials, these fiery trials, Lord, I pray that you help us ready that mind and spirit, we're all yours. Teach us your way in this, Lord, to navigate how we get through these things that you might be seen, that others might not see the frustration or how maybe they'd even handle it or how they've seen others handle it or maybe they even how they've seen us handle it in times past. But all of a sudden they're seeing a life change. That's you, God. You're living, moving, and active in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, what I want you to do is we're going to turn to Peter in First Peter chapter 4. And I like how it first starts out in 1 Peter 4, verse 12 to 14, reading from the NLT translation. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials. It doesn't say little trial, fiery trials. You are going through as if something strange were happening to you. 
Instead, be very glad. (laughs) I mean, talk about a different picture of how we're supposed to handle these things. Be glad. Okay, God, that sounds a little bit more difficult. For these trials make you partners with Christ in suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. All right, let's go through some study notes and hopefully you're opening them up um, and you can follow along. In number one, it says this, how I react to the unexpected reveals who you trust. How I react to the unexpected. You know, one of my um, sons hit a deer and, uh, you know, this week with his, with his truck. I mean, he just got this crazy truck out of the shop from repair for months and months. And then, then he hits a deer. And so, um, you know, and he, and he was kind of down about it. And then, I, and I can imagine, I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's kind of a bummer. But how do we react to those unexpected situations? I mean, I'm not expecting him, and I don't think God's expecting him to do a little dance and think that it's all great that, you know, your, your truck got wrecked. But the bottom line is, is that you know that God is still in your story. In fact, he's writing chapters, and at 10 years from now, does God give a rip about the truck? No. But God cares about the chapter in your life through this storyline. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says this, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. He's the one that can allow you to say, have joy in the midst of these trials sometimes. He's not expecting you to have joy about the things that are going on, but there's a joy that's in the Lord. Not a joy in your circumstance, but there's a joy in the Lord. So many of us are leaning to this world to get our emotions out of. Why aren't we getting our emotions from him? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the NLT translation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So what the first thing we learn is, who do you trust? What do you trust really is revealed when the unexpected comes. Number two, being prepared for the unexpected is saying you don't have faith. It is showing you have, but it is really showing you a perspective of good and evil, which means this, you should always be prepared in heart, soul, and mind that something crazy is going to happen in your path of life. That your job isn't to try to figure out your life and really not be in a space, you know, if I never take challenges, something crazy can never happen. Maybe if I can just get in this this space of control, no, Pastor Ron, I, I don't really want to take that... I don't really want to lead in that, in that small group because if I do, you know, um, somebody may ask me a question and, when, and I don't have the answer to that question and when I don't have the answer to that question, that makes me feel insecure and when I feel insecure, I don't always react right. That's exactly why God wants you to do it. It's not because he's thinking, wow, looky us, we've got you as a leader. No, he's looking, he says, I want to show who I am in the midst of even your insecure moments. I want to make you secure in me, though you're insecure in this world. Amen? 
And so number two, when we read this again, 1 Peter 4, 12 to 14, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trial. Some of us will avoid every space or directive that comes in our path because we don't want that fiery trial, and yet God is expressed in the midst of that fiery trial. This last week, uh, my son had contacted me, and, and uh, we had a fiery trial. And he said, hey, Dad, I don't know how to tell you, but uh, the foundation on the house we're building right now is caving in. And we had done everything we knew, and we've, we've been building a house for years. I've been building a house for 20-some years, never had it. And you know what? Right away, um, I'm sitting there and going, huh. That's the first thing I'm doing, huh. You know, and then trying to, trying to figure out what to do, what are the solutions of it. Because what do we do? We always lean into our own understanding. I don't have any understanding of what to do. And, what, and I'm going to tell you what happens is I got to get to that space. First thing I need to do is quiet myself. I got to quiet myself because in the midst of this fiery trial, I don't care about what's going to get fixed first because I guarantee you, it's going to get fixed. But what's not going to happen or is going to happen is how are we, how are we prospectively showing who God is in the midst of this fiery trial? I'm thanking God for the fiery trial because my son and I had such a moment together in the midst of this well, it was a big deal, that we handled it wonderfully together. I even told him, I says, I'm so, I'm so proud of God and how God worked through this trial that I'm actually thankful for the trial. Number three, God has placed you in the midst of a storm to show his power. That's the whole point, to show his power. All praise the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father all of all mercy, God of all healing, counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. Are you looking for him? Or are you trying to figure it all out on your own? Are you looking for God to come along your side when you're going through this? Is that even a, a space or are we only, you know what, is it only when at church that we feel God's presence? And I agree, we should feel God's presence in church, but this is the whole point. We recognize, why do we have an altar? Why do we have praise? Why do we separate? Why do we have worship? Why do we have teaching? We're trying to create you to understand that God is always everywhere, but how are you hearing him? How are you smelling him? How are you tasting him? How are you reflecting? Are you connected with him in every scenario? Or are we just connected to him on Sunday mornings? The whole point of Sunday mornings is that you're connected with him Monday through Saturday. He brings us alongside someone else who is going through those hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. So God says, you're gonna get all of it the full measure, some of the hards and some of the great times. But we come alongside people when they're going through hard times. Why do you, th I mean, when people say, well, why, why church? I don't need to go to church. Well, how in the world are you going to come alongside somebody who's going to a hard time if you don't ever go? How are you going to be what God's called you to be if you're not part of the family? You know, I always feel when there's distance in my family, whether it's even physical distance or whether it's vocal, whatever it is, I can feel this presence of that distance right away. Do you think God can? 
Number four, how to respond to the unexpected. First of all, so if you get anything out of this message right now, here's just some guidelines, okay? First and, first and foremost, quiet yourself. Quiet yourself. Psalms 131 verse 2 says this, I have kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart. Like a baby content in its mother's arms, my soul is a baby content. Is that how you handle your scenarios when things are crazy? With your kids? With your spouse? With the work environment? The first thing you need to do is say it with me. The front row's guy. Do say it with me. Quiet yourself. First thing you do is quiet yourself. James 1, 19 says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. This passage is always in the, my heart because the way I grew up a lot of times, you know what, that anger was an element of activity that um, gave you, well, I don't know, just like, it shut things down. It just got to the point where it rise up and then just it shut things down. And we're um, in our uh, study with parenting on Wednesday night, Chip Ingram is saying this, and, and I've said this in front of church too before. Our job with our kids is to create an environment that they can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so our Heavenly Father's never going to yell at you. Never. I mean, you're never going to hear God go, get it together! Or I told you five times, and I'm not telling you again. You are never going to hear God say that. So why in the world do we raise our kids that way? Chip says that. He goes, he goes he, the biggest thing he, he had in this moment, he goes, he had his son, his youngest son. And you know how at times our kids are cute. They're four and five years old, and they're always testing the boundaries, right? And so they run ahead of you, and then they look back and see if daddy's looking or mommy's looking. And then and you go, stop. And then they run ahead, and they look at it and say, stop. And they're, they're having this goofy moment. And you think it's all cute, right? But they're not listening. It's all cute, but they're not they're not listening. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, he sees his son running, and there's this huge hedge. And he's, his son is not listening to what he's saying, and he sees his truck clipping 30 miles an hour down the road. He knows the person in the truck can't see his kid, and he knows his kid can't see the truck, and his kid runs right across the street. Truck goes right behind it. He goes, it was at that point from then on, he says, I get it, God. I am going to teach my kids how to hear my voice without raising it. Because you don't raise it. You just speak the truth in love. I know that I just spoke a lot to a, a lot of our parenting style, but let me just tell you something. It's not our parenting style. We're a steward of his style. It's not your style and God's. There's God's style of leadership and God's style, and we're stewards so that our kids will rise up and raise up and know his voice. I believe a lot of times the generation today does not know the voice of God because they're waiting for God to yell at them. And God's not going to yell. Number two, find the people to help and avoid the wrong people. There are right people, and there are wrong people that you can surround yourself when you're going through a fiery trial. Proverbs 12, 15 says this, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Fools 
just got their mind made up. This is the way I'm going to do it. Don't care about anybody else. This is, this is the way I'm doing it. Fools don't listen to counsel. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Let me tell you something. My wife and I have been married for 35 years. I still look for counsel in my marriage. I'm still reading books. I'm still looking at the word of God. I'm still changing. My wife will, go, my wife will tell you that I'm probably, she, she'll say, I'm the most changed person that she knows. Why? Because I, I want to be the best husband and I want to be the best father. Not unto her, unto him. I don't change because of her. I change because of him. Proverbs 16, 28 says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best friends. So now we've seen so far, the first thing is, quiet yourself. Second one is, surround yourself with some counsel, good counsel. I have been around people that are thinking about divorce and get around wrong counsel and get divorced. I've seen people that are thinking about divorce, get around right counsel, and stay together. Do not underestimate the power of those voices that you're hearing in the midst of your fiery trial. Because you are so emotionally crazy, so emotionally bound in the scenario that you're in, you are going to lean. And I'm going to tell you something, that, that advice and that counsel on it is probably the way you're going to lean. Number three, take steps. There's no such thing in God as stagnation. Take steps. The Bible called it called steps of faith. And others take steps through it. It came to pass. It didn't come to stay. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says this, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, always doing your best and doing more than is needed, being continually aware that your labor is even to the point of exhaustion, in the Lord is not futile nor wasted. It's never without purpose. All right, we're going to finish, and we're almost done with the storyline of Leah. Now, in Genesis chapter 29, verse 22, we're going to pick up her history lesson. So Laban invited everyone to the neighborhood and prepared a wedding. But that night, when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob, and he slept with her. Laban had given Leah a servant, Zilpah, to be her maid. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. What have you done to me? Jacob raged at Laban. I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? Now, I, want you to look, now, I don't want you to look at the picture of Laban, or I don't want you to think about the, the storyline through Jacob's eyes. I don't want you to think through the storyline of Laban's eyes. I want you to think about Leah. Leah in this, in this moment, okay? Think about her and her heart. It's not our custom to have to marry off a younger daughter ahead of the firstborn, Laban replied, but wait until the bridal week is over, then we'll give you Rachel too, provided you promise to work another seven years. So Jacob agreed to work seven more years. A week after Jacob had married Leah, Laban gave him Rachel. Laban gave Rachel a servant, Bilhah, to her to be made. So Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more than Leah. Are you guys getting this? He then stayed and worked for Laban an additional seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, God notices our lives. God recognizes things that are unjust. God will help you through what's 
the unexpected. God will help you through your hurt. So let's find out. So when the Lord recognized what was going on in Leah, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Now I want you to catch Leah's heart in this as she names these children. She named him Reuben, for she said, the Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. God, she's wrecking her heart saying, God's taking notice of me. God's taking notice of me. So if God's taking notice of me, surely God is in this directive. Surely he's going to talk to my husband. How many of you sometimes have given up on your husband? Don't raise your hand. How many times have you given up on a child in your situation? Surely God's going to take notice. Verse 33, so she soon became pregnant again, gave birth to another son. She named him Sibion. For she said, the Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. So first of all, God's taking notice. Now he's going, well, he's, what is he taking notice? I'm unloved. Then she became pregnant a third time. Now we realize we're at least 10 and 11 months after every one of these. Okay, so we're not talking about something that happened 10, 11 minutes. Then she became pregnant again a third time, gave birth to another son. His name is Levi. And if anybody knows what Levi means, it means to connect. She said, surely this time my husband will have affection for me since I have given him three sons. So she's saying, I'm finally going to get connected with my husband. I'm going to have this, this space of connection. I am so broken. But now that I've had my, you see what God's doing with her heart? Is anybody listening to it? I mean, am I the only one that got out of this story? I'm not, I love this story. And I'm not Leah, but I get her hurt. He says, God, I don't know what to do with this broken foundation. I don't know what to do, God. I've just lost my job. I don't know, God, what to do. You just diagnosed me with cancer. God, my heart is so grieved. And God goes, I'm going to work from your heart, your mind. That's your problem. And so he works through this thing. And so she's working through the thoughts. She's working through it. And God is working on her heart. Too much, so much so that she's bearing children through all of this. Look at verse 35. Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah. For she says, now I will praise the Lord. What did I tell you guys earlier? The way through every scenario is to praise. Now I'm going to tell you something. We've talked about faith. And we went last, uh, for four weeks, we talked about dealing with doubt. Right? And then we talked about dealing with doubt. We talked about dealing with vacillating. We talked about getting the truth and getting connected to that truth and then finding out what truly what trust is. Here we have, we're seeing in Leah's heart through four children. So we're talking about at least five years time probably that God is working through her heart. And finally, she says, her heart is going, I praise you, God. I, God, even though my husband didn't have eyes for me in the beginning, he had only eyes for this. And God, this wasn't something that he even chose. This is something he got tricked into. And yet, God, you have changed his heart. You have changed him to the point where I am connected with my husband. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I've, I have been a part of a lot of marriages. None of them is upside down as this. But to watch how God made two people connect through what was unexpected, through what was unfair, and how, a, how God took notice that it was not her wrong choice, 
but it was the wrong choice of others and how God turned the hearts and made his plan avail. God is in the business of changing hearts. But I'm gonna tell you something, none of his business happens until you trust. And you know what? If you're in a situation where you say, God, I need, I need this thing to change. I need, I'm, I'm going through this scenario over and over. Quiet yourself. Quiet yourself. Seek godly counsel. And by all means, take some steps of faith. Whether it's coming to the altar, whether it's bending your knee, maybe, you know what, whether it's worship him with hands raised, what is God speaking to you? And what are you obeying? I'm gonna tell you something, anybody that's alive, God is always asking them, come to me, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. How many of you are coming to God? Are you saying, wait, I'm always waiting for God. God, God already did that. He came to you. He bridged that space. His name is Jesus through that cross. So I ask you today, what steps are you taking toward your loving Redeemer? What steps are you taking to know him in a more intimate way? What are you letting go of and holding on to him in? God, I let go of my hurts. I let go of my frustrations. I know someone right now is watching right now that woke up just this week, someone I love very much, in so much pain and head, in their head. Don't know what it is, but I'm believing for redemption today. I know somebody that's in our audience right now that just lost someone very close to them, close to me, but I wasn't as close. I believe in God, restore of your soul. I believe others here that are struggling with when to take a step. I'm afraid of rejection. I've been rejected all my life. I'm afraid to take that step. I just don't want to be rejected one more time. And God goes, come on, let's do this together. I'm a God of faith. I'm not a God of rejection. I'm a God of love. I'm not a God of fear. I'm a God of hope and not despair. But God, we've been here together. Yes, so was Leah. Took her heart. You got to give God your heart. And it's going to take time because see, maybe you're here and you're, maybe you're 50, 60 years old. And maybe for 50 or 60 years old, you have built a, a layer around your heart to protect it because you've been hurt for so many times. Or maybe you're only 10 years old or 13 years old and you've already begun to build those layers. You know, the most important thing is, is that God wants a heart that's delicate to the touch. Delicate to the touch. When he made a covenant, he made a really weird thing. The first covenant we know of that he made with Abraham is circumcision. Talk about delicate to the touch. He did that on purpose because he was teaching us. He goes, look, though it's flesh, are you going to be delicate to me? Are you open to me? If the wind blows, will you see me in it? If the storms rage, will you look for me through it? 
Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that's present here. We thank you, God, that you bring us through these fiery trials to show who you are. And God, I pray that you forgive us for being a people many times that react, Lord, in our own ways, familiar ways. But God, today, give us the strength to take those steps out of our skin and into your path of righteousness. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you struggled with that commitment and maybe you've gone back and forth, you vacillate on it. We're going to go through a prayer right now and we're going to make a prayer of commitment and say, God, here I am. I surrender. So let's do that together right now. Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life, my heart in your hands. Though the storms may rage, here I am. I trust you. I'm all yours. I receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and worship our King together.